Hi everyone, this is Kate Mosh and the second episode of the podcast A Voice from Russia. I'm a Russian opposition activist and this podcast is a part of the fundraising campaign I launched to raise money for my master's studies at the University of Berkeley. You can find more details about myself and my motivation, as well as make a donation on gofundme.com. You just need to type a voice from Russia in the search field there, and my campaign page will appear in the search results. In the first episode of the podcast, I gave a short account of the protests that had taken place in Moscow prior to the 1st of August, and the reasons for them. How independent candidates for the Moscow City Parliament elections were refused registration. On Saturday, the 3rd of August, another peaceful protest took place in the center of the city. Well, peaceful from the participants' side. In the meantime, the situation with criminal cases initiated by the investigative committee has been developing. And as we like to say it here in Russia describing this or that new outrage, we have reached the new low. But let's start from the very beginning. If you remember from the previous episode, the location for the protest event scheduled for the 3rd of August was not agreed upon with the city administration, so the opposition had to announce the so-called unsanctioned rally. In order to make it as safe and peaceful as possible, the candidates, who haven't been arrested, decided that the protest should take the form of a peaceful march, or rather a peaceful walk, along the boulevard ring. Essentially, the boulevard ring is a semicircle of interconnected boulevards that embraces the city center. In Russian, we call a boulevard a wide street that has a walking area with trees in the middle of it. The idea was to come to any point of the boulevard ring and to walk in clockwise or anti-clockwise direction no matter. The total distance of the route was up to 5 kilometers. When I came to the boulevard ring at a quarter past two, I saw a lot of policemen and a little bit of protesters who were walking in small groups, and in terms of people traffic it seemed almost like an ordinary day, apart from a helicopter hovering above us. That's how the authorities were monitoring the amount of participants and their movements. In around half an hour it was clear that the flow of people was getting bigger and that they were all going towards large squares further down the boulevard ring. I have to admit that the police tactics this time was quite smart. They used cordons, chains of policemen, first to direct the flow, for example letting people on one side walk in one direction only, and then for cordoning off the squares. What happened to me? I was redirected twice by police cordons and found myself in Trubne Square that was surrounded by police along the whole perimeter. There was no way out. In some minutes we heard from their walkie-talkies that they got the command to detain people. We rushed towards the metro station which was in the middle of the square and managed to escape. Several minutes afterwards the metro entrance was closed and people couldn't leave the square anymore. In such a way, the protest concentrated in three points, three squares, where mass detentions started to take place. Some crowds also continued marching in other city streets like Arbat, but they also faced cordons of police and the National Guard. Though at the beginning it seemed there would be no cruel detentions, like a week before, soon it was clear it was not the case. Again we witnessed how the police just beat innocent people and detained totally random guys who might be actually against the protest, but just happened to be in the square. Yeah. 
Mind you, in comparison with the previous rally, this one was even more peaceful. People were almost not chanting any slogans, to say nothing of holding some posters or anything. Everyone here knows that if you unfold a poster with basically any wording on it, you would be immediately taken to the police bus. But let's for a moment direct our attention from the protesters to the candidates and see what was happening to them. Six of the candidates were still under administrative arrest, and only one of them, Konstantin Yinkauskas, who was charged with seven days of arrest, was supposed to be released that day. In reality, the following thing happened. They let him out of the detention center, and right at its door a new group of policemen detained him again, took him to the police station, prepared another administrative offense report for another protest day, and let him at the police station till his court hearing on Monday. On Monday he was arrested for 10 more days. I regret to say that this practice of detaining people right after their release and arresting them again is already common for us. The same thing happened to the head of Navalny Moscow office Oleg Stepanov. He was released after eight days of arrest, detained again, taken to court again, and arrested for 15 days more. The same also happened to Yulia Galamina, another independent candidate. On Monday she got another 15 days of arrest on top of 10 days, so it is really a common practice now. And what about Lubov Sobol, the lady candidate on a hunger strike? She was also detained the moment she left the building where she stays now. It was the 21st day of her strike. She's getting really weak now and definitely does not pose any threat to anyone. More than that, she has a small daughter, so she cannot be put under administrative arrest. Yet she was also detained by several policemen. And let me again clarify the term. When I say detained, it means the person is taken to a police station where the police prepares an administrative offense report. And with that report, a person then either is released under an obligation to appear in court or is taken to the court immediately. That is exactly what happened to Lubov Sobol. She was charged with the maximum fine for one of the previous protest days, 300,000 rubles, that is more than 4,500 US dollars. And here you expect to hear that she was set free. But no, that would have been too mild a scenario for a lady weakened by three weeks of a hunger strike. Right from the court, they took her to an interrogation with regards to criminal charges. Lubov Sobol already had been interrogated, with regards to the criminal case on obstructing the operation of the Electoral Committee. Now they interrogated her in relation to inciting violent mass protests. And here again let me make sure I'm clear. In contrast to administrative arrests of several days and relatively small fines for participating in the protests, criminal charges are heavy and usually imply imprisonment for several years. Here I would like to elaborate on these criminal cases, because for you to understand the scale of what's happening, you need to have a clear view of the bigger picture. Roughly, you can divide these criminal processes in two groups – individual criminal cases and general criminal cases. As for individual ones, these have been criminal charges on separate participants of the protests for the so-called use of force towards police officers. 
I have already mentioned them in the first podcast and will add more later, but let's leave them for now. General criminal cases, on the other hand, are those that have been initiated by the investigative committee without any individuals accused at first. And they can apply basically to anyone who the police will consider as related to the events in question. So far, there are two general criminal cases. The first case, on obstructing the operation of electoral committee, is aimed at the candidates, and many of them have already been interrogated and currently bear the status of witnesses. This article of the criminal code implies several degrees of fines and up to five years of arrest in the worst-case scenario. The second criminal case, on inciting violent mass protests, is aimed at general public taken to the streets. But the reason I wanted to elaborate on all this is the unprecedented events that followed the mass detentions on the 3rd of August. The majority of people who were detained on the 27th of July, apart from individual criminal charges, received administrative offense reports and will have to pay a fine or stay in detention center for up to 30 days. That is it. As for those who were detained on the next Saturday protests on the 3rd of August, and there was a thousand of people like this, they not only received administrative offense reports, the investigative committee sent its officers to almost every police stations, and the detainees were interrogated right there with the relation to criminal case on inciting violent mass protests. More than that, the investigators confiscated their smartphones as pieces of evidence. So basically all these people are now at the risk of becoming suspects in this criminal process. At the moment, we already have nine suspects, and all of them have been taken into custody. The heaviest charge for this article of criminal code is eight years of arrest. I would like to say a couple of words about two of these guys, two of the suspects, though all of them had nothing to do with inciting mass protests, and there was nothing provocative in their behavior. One guy is Igor Zhukov, he's 21, he's a student of higher school of economics. He runs his own blog on YouTube criticizing the current political situation in Russia. His latest video was published on the 1st of August. He was urging the audience not to give up the fight, because otherwise the authorities would see our weakness and the prison van would drive to your home. On the next night, the investigators came with the search to his apartment. According to the prosecution, Igor led people to the traffic area blocking the road. Though witnesses say that it was quite on the contrary, that he showed the people way off the road. Another guy, Sergei Abanichev, is 25, and all what he did was throwing off a paper Burger King glass onto the ground. His charges are the same, organizing violent mass protest. These two examples clearly show that anyone from those interrogated at the police stations after the 3rd of August may be accused of inciting mass protests just out of nothing. We have already seen before criminal cases which have nothing to do with reality. And we have seen people arrested in such cases. But never before have we witnessed such a scale of criminal proceedings and such mass interrogations. Just as a reminder, on the 27th there was no violence in the streets at all. No window shops smashed, no cars turned over, nothing. On the 3rd of August people didn't even chant slogans. Yet now they are involved in criminal process and God only knows what it will lead to. Apart from that, in many cases, the defense lawyers spent hours outside police station because they were just not allowed to enter. And there have been unofficial reports that it was done on purpose. 
Other unofficial reports state that emergency paramedics were refused full access to the online system which allows to monitor the amount of people with injuries. That was done in order to conceal the amount of those who suffered from police violence. Also, the detained people were forced to submit their fingerprints, and that is absolutely illegal. At some police station, when a person refused to do that, the police officer threatened to cut his fingers off. I haven't been present, I believe this phrase was kind of a joke, but just imagine the level of aggression if these are the jokes that you get to hear at the police station. All of these are the examples of unprecedented pressure on peaceful protesters whose only requirement is to let the independent candidates who collected the required amount of signatures run for the city parliament elections. I would like to remind you that this is a fundraising podcast. I've started it as a part of my campaign to raise money for my master's studies at the University of Berkeley. If you like what I'm doing, please go to gofundme.com, search for the campaign named A Voice from Russia and make some contribution. Also, I have to admit that as a beginner podcaster, I made a terrible mistake in the first episode. I forgot to thank its contributors. So I extend thanks to Leonid Volkov and Alexander Pomazuev, my colleagues who helped me to prepare the first episode. I also thank those teams who provide support for the detainees as well as give us all timely update on statistics and legal information. These are Ovede Info, Mediazona and international human rights group Agora. My warmest thanks go to my master of sound Artem Salousov and a genius photographer Evgeny Feldman who generously allowed me to use his picture as a cover photo for the podcast. The second episode of this podcast is getting to its end. However, the crisis around Moscow city parliament elections is not. This week the Central Electoral Committee has already started reviewing the appeals of all unregistered candidates. At the task force sessions several of them, including Lubov Sobol, have already been refused registration. The task force suggested reconsidering only seven of signatures in her support, without even looking at a whole bunch of written applications by the voters who confirmed that they had put their signature for Lubov Sobol's registration. The opposition announced a new protest on Saturday, the 10th, so more things are coming at us. Stay tuned and listen to a voice from Russia. Thank you.